Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 134. And I've called this teaching, Don't Let the Wrong People Derail You. It's kind of a short passage, it's in Luke chapter 9. And uh, it's really a teaching that Jesus gives his disciples, particularly James and John, when he sees how they respond to rejection and criticism. Now, James and John do not respond to rejection well. In fact, they, they, they like to get even as soon as possible. And uh, of course, Jesus has an entirely new way for us to respond rather than react. So yeah, it's, it's easy to react, isn't it, to people? You know how it is, you're surrounded by people. If you're surrounded by even one person that's negative and complaining all the time, that can have an effect upon you, can't it? Or if you're around someone who's angry or moody, that can be a real joy stealer. Well, Jesus has a teaching, well, more than one teaching, on, on how to live when people in some way or another come against us. You know, the way people respond toward us can either make our day or pull us down because we seem to naturally react to the moods and behaviors of people around us. And sometimes this can get us into trouble. And, and in this text today, Jesus' disciples are rejected by a group of people that actually they never really cared for them very much anyway, but they're rejected by this group of Samaritans. Now, remember at this point in the timeline, I suppose we are actually toward the end of Jesus' ministry. We're in Luke 9. So the disciples are at a point where they can start to teach. They can start to give out the message uh, themselves. And so they find one day as they're giving out their message, the good news of Jesus, uh, that they're not welcomed by everyone. In fact, they're rejected. And in this passage, they're rejected by a group of Samaritans. Now, that doesn't mean much to us, but in the old days, the ancient Jews and the ancient Samaritans did not get on well at all. And you know how it is when you have a bad history with someone? You know, if, you have a, if you've had two or three bad encounters, it doesn't take much to get you all annoyed, does it? Once you've found someone untrustworthy, it doesn't take too much before you think, is he or she telling me the truth? Or if someone's critical of you two or three times, I mean, very quickly you learn, mm, this person doesn't feel safe to me. And you're on guard. And uh, so for the disciples, it doesn't really take much for them to get annoyed at this group of Samaritans who reject the teaching because they have a long history of not getting on well with this particular group. And as they're giving out this teaching, we don't have a lot of details, but apparently these Samaritans are not in the least bit interested. And James and John are offended by this. That they are, they're offended and that they're annoyed. In fact, they're annoyed to the point where they think, you know, 
when I think back on our ancient history, didn't the old prophet Elijah call down fire from heaven? Yeah, I think he did. I wonder if Jesus, I wonder if Jesus would be okay with that if we followed Elijah's example. And that's what they actually asked Jesus. They say, you know, these Samaritans rejected us. Can we, can we call fire down from heaven and get them? Yeah, it's crazy, I know. But it's like they're thinking, well, since Jesus is a healer and since we've seen all these miracles and there's so many things that can't be explained, maybe he'll show us how to use God's power to get even. Maybe he'll show us how to use God's power to silence the people who criticize us. It's kind of a, a natural reaction in some ways. Of course, we wouldn't be calling fire down from heaven, right? That's not our culture. That's not our time. We have other ways of getting back at people that annoy us, even if it isn't obvious, right? We just give them the cold shoulder or we ignore them or we, you know, do the silent treatment. I mean, there's lots of ways that we can get even. Now, as you can imagine, when James and John asked to call fire down from heaven, this doesn't sit well with Jesus at all. This whole idea of revenge doesn't sit well at all. I mean, he came to teach people a new way of living, not carry on the old way of living. Uh, he came to teach a new way of responding rather than reacting. Because our first reactions, and once you notice this, you'll see it frequently, our first reactions often lead us in the wrong way and they give us the wrong information. Our first reactions are not necessarily uh, Truthful, and it's not necessarily truthful information. It's just worth paying attention to that. We think it is true because we feel it so strongly. But a part of following Christ is learning to discern what is true and what isn't true. So here's a little bit background to the text. Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem, and the passage tells us that he set his face toward Jerusalem, meaning he's determined to go there. It is purposeful. He is focused. He set his face. Nothing's going to deter him. Which, by the way, I think maybe is a part of the reason Jesus isn't swayed by people's needs, uh, nor criticisms, uh, nor misunderstandings. He's really not motivated by ple to please people. His first task is always what he calls, I'm about the Father's business, uh, which is, um, first and foremost, I want to check in with my Heavenly Father and figure out the right thing to do. All the other needs and agendas of other people are secondary to that. So he, he has a different way of living than, than us most of the time. Not that that will surprise you, right? So there he is, he's with his disciples, he's got his face set toward Jerusalem, he's purposeful, he's determined, they pass by a village, a Samaritan village, there's a lot of racial tension between the ancient Jews and the ancient Samaritans, 
So it's not going to take very much to cause trouble. And again, we're not given many details, but these Samaritans do not receive him. They're not hospitable. They don't want him to stay. They're not interested in the teaching. You know, it's like, no, we don't care and we're not interested. And the disciples, I suppose, they're offended because they were not warmly welcomed. They're not warmly welcomed. And that's offensive to them. Very offensive. So then we get the James and John, their reaction. Can we, can we call down fire from heaven? Who do they think they are? Who do they think they are treating us that way? Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? There's the line, verse 54. And again, I think they got this idea from the ancient prophet Elijah. And by the way, if you wonder about all that violence in the Old Testament, yeah, they lived in a violent culture. So obviously, you're going to have a lot of violent stories, a lot of violent narratives in the Old Testament. I mean, it was written thousands and thousands of years ago. Although, not that we can say that our culture isn't violent today, right? But it's a different kind of violence. Anyway, carrying on, um, they're annoyed. And Jesus turns to them and rebukes them. When they, when they want to get even, when they want revenge, Jesus stops and he rebukes them. And that word rebuke in the original language is a very strong word. So it's really like a correction. It's like, no, no. Violence is not the answer. So for Jesus, violence is always set aside as a solution. Now, he's not passive. He's just very creative in how he deals with enemies. Actually, you know, this whole idea about being misunderstood or rejected or not liked or not accepted or welcomed for whatever reason, uh, Jesus actually didn't expect that we would be always accepted and welcomed by people. In fact, he's got a really great teaching. It's just a single line that says, you've got to learn how to shake the dust off your feet, which is a way of saying, you know, it's like water off a duck's back, we might say today. Or I remember um, early on in my ministry, a wise woman, said, a wise elder in the congregation, she said to me, Glenda, consider the source. Consider, I, was, I was worried about what some, someone was saying. And she said, Glenda, consider the source. It was kind of helpful in a way because it's like it helps you to shake the dust off your feet. Do you, do you really care about what someone thinks when they, when they don't even know you? You know, how important is it to have everyone's approval when you have God's approval? So Jesus never really expected and certainly didn't teach that we would always be well-liked. He's like, no, 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 he said to his disciples and all the future disciples. You have to learn how to shake the dust off your feet. Not everyone's going to agree with you. Not everyone's going to welcome you. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's interested in your spiritual life, right? 
Not everyone's interested in your faith. Not, in, not everyone's interested in the way you live and move in this world and what you believe and who you trust. Not everyone's interested. Fine. If they're not interested, move on. There's plenty other people that are. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. So for James and John to be wasting time trying to get even and trying to take out revenge on, on the Samaritans, it's like Jesus is like, oh, no, no, we're not going to spend our life doing that. It's like James and John, you've got a lot to learn. You know, Jesus always raises the bar, always. If the teaching of Jesus is manageable, it's probably not Jesus, you know? Because his teachings always stretch us. I mean, it's almost like they're too hard in some ways. If I, like, for example, he said, um, you have heard it said, do not murder. Right, we all agree with that. Jesus says, you have said, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I say, whoever is angry with a brother or sister is subject to judgment. You see? See what he does is he raises the bar. It's like, oh, you think you're okay because you don't murder? Oh, no, no, no. Have you ever been angry? What's going on on the inside? What's going on in the heart? Why are you so impatient? Why are you so angry? So he's always, always teaching at a deeper level. Now, again, and we've looked at this in the past, not all anger is wrong. I mean, of course we need to be angry, right? No, there is helpful anger. There is good anger, necessary anger. But there's also destructive anger. And that's what we need to, to learn. What is good anger and what is destructive anger? Now, I know that there are personalities that say, well, you know, I never really, I never really feel angry. I can't even remember the last time I was angry. I'm not really explosive like Uncle Harry is or whoever, right? So that type of personality that doesn't necessarily feel angry, then there's a strong possibility that the anger comes out in other ways. Well, it may be a bit more passive-aggressive. It might be a bit more subtle. You might just be very stubborn and do what you want to do anyway without telling anyone. Or you might find yourself resisting in other ways, right? It's still anger. It's just, uh, I guess it's, it, it's, it's shown in different ways. It's not always explosive and loud and verbal, you can be very angry and not say a thing. So, yeah, no, but not all anger is wrong. I mean, there's, there's good anger. Good anger alerts you to the fact that something's wrong, something's dangerous, or something's unjust. Good anger wants you to move and change the situation, right? Um, good anger, how we how we live within our family units with our partners, husbands, wives. I mean, sometimes, yeah, saying the right thing makes relationships a lot stronger. 
Sometimes anger is motivated by protecting people. That would be good. Sometimes anger is motivated by honoring people, respecting people, demanding respect. That's good, right? And then, of course, there's the more common anger, the deadly anger that destroys relationships, pulls people down, the anger of personal insult. Uh, the disciples are personally offended to the point uh, that they fantasize revenge, that they fantasize getting even. This is the anger that Jesus warns against. They're basically, these James, James and John, they are effectively derailed by the wrong people. It's like, James and John, hold on a second here. Hold on. I thought you were supposed to be going on an important mission with Jesus. Jesus has his face set toward Jerusalem. I thought you were supposed to be going to Jerusalem with Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, we are. I thought you were supposed to be teaching. And, and I thought you were, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we were. Well, what happened? How did you get embroiled in all of this drama, James and John? How did you get embroiled in all of this? This has nothing to do with you. Yeah, because what happened was the main thing wasn't the main thing anymore. If James and John were doing what they were supposed to be doing, which is walking with Jesus on their way to Jerusalem, getting the teaching down, I mean, they're going to be the leaders of the new church, so they can be practicing now that they're with them, right? They can be getting their sermons ready and getting their teachings ready. If they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, they wouldn't be getting all caught up in the drama of getting even. Yeah, I love this line, verse 51, because it just conveys such a sense of purpose in Jesus' life. This is the line. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to Jerusalem. Set his face. He is undeterred in purpose. It's like, I have a task to do, Jesus. I know what's mine to do. And I know what's, what is not mine to do. Yeah, I know what my business is, and I also know what is not my business. I know what faithfulness looks like. See, Jesus isn't swayed here and there. He's determined. I'm about the Father's business, meaning I want to please God. I want to please the Father in my words, in my actions, in my attitude. It's, it's you know, it's really not so important. What we do in our life is more how we do it. You know, have you thought about that? You know, for example, if you're, I don't know, wondering about, you know, let's say you're in college and you, you wonder about a major or you're wondering about changing jobs or you're wondering how to spend your retirement. And I think it's so important what we choose to do in life. It's more about how we do it. So if I'm a parent of young kids and I'm, and I'm trying to navigate through all the choices and all the opportunities with my young family. I want to do it in such a way that I know what faithfulness looks like. You know, same with my business, if I'm running a business. 
I want to conduct myself and my business in a way that's, Jesus' words, about the Father's business. I want it to be pleasing to God, right? Who I work with or how I interact with my neighbors or the expectations of my extended family. See, once we discern what faithfulness looks like, what's mine to do, like we're a lot less likely to get off track and derailed by the wrong people and becoming overly reactive like James and John. I mean, they're great. James and John are great examples because it's so exaggerated, right? Calling fire down from heaven, it's so exaggerated. But the part that isn't exaggerated is we can get really offended when people disregard us. And in more subtle ways, we can try to get even. It's, it's a temptation, it really is. Getting even, paying back. Paying back is always reactive. Rather than Jesus' way, which is completely different, proactive. Jesus has a proactive way of living in the world. It's like, hey, not reacting to how what people think. Shake the dust off your feet, James and John, move on. Don't let others define you. We have important things to do. What about the work of the Father? Kingdom work. Don't waste your time, James and John. Let's go. Don't waste your time, your energy, defending, proving, blaming, resisting, hating, disliking. No, no, move on. Shake it off. We have more important things to do. You see how that's just the same as us, isn't it? The same lesson for James and John is the same lesson for us. We can get caught up in the dramas of other people, all unnecessary, unhelpful. Jesus Jesus would say, move on. Feeling rejected? Feeling undervalued? Maybe you are. Maybe you are. Shake it off and do what you're called to do and do it 100%. So like, I think that Jesus is reminding James and John, you're not, you're not a victim here. And he's empowering them to live another way. I mean, it takes a lot of practice. It's a lot easier to, to teach this than it is to live it, but it's possible. What a great reminder for us, isn't it? Don't let the wrong people derail you. There's always going to be people in your life that don't understand you. They just don't get it. They don't have capacity to get it. So don't try, you know? Don't even try. It's like Jesus said, throwing pearls before swine. That's another great line. Don't let the wrong people derail you. Keep the faith. Stay on track. Don't get distracted. We have an important task to do. Keep the main thing the main thing. It's like, yes, there's the prayer. There's the heart cry, God. I do want to be faithful. I I want to be faithful first and foremost to you. In In my home, in my marriage, in my partnership, in my work with my friends, 
everywhere, my neighbors everywhere. I want my life to be pleasing in your sight. Help me to live that way. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. Jesus called it the salt of the earth. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.